Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ together in community by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com. If you've not met me, my name is Heath, I'm the lead pastor here at Reach, and today we're starting a new series called Love Showed Up. Um, you know, I always think about, you know, the holiday seasons that, re- you know, especially Christian holiday seasons that reflect on biblical events that we celebrate, Christmas, Easter, um, and sometimes they can just kind of get wrapped into the season and, and, and it kind of moves through and you're like, oh yeah, that's great. Um, we kind of forget because we're so busy um, I, probably a few months ago, was reading out of a text that we're going to go after, or in today, out of 1 John chapter 4. Um, and this idea kind of hit me, and what we're going to do over the next four um, Sundays is we're going to talk about this idea of love showing up. Uh, Jesus identified to us forever what love looks like. And where we've messed up things is, uh, and our world is polluted with ideas of what love is, and what love should look like, and what you should do if you love someone. Um, and what I want to do over the next four weeks is talk about, like, if we're going to talk about love, that we have to have it fixed on a universal truth, and that universal truth is Jesus, is the personification of love. And there, there is no love if Jesus didn't show up, and we're celebrating that right now, that God and His uh, divine timing brought Jesus to this planet at the perfect moment in history um, to get us where we're at right now and to get us going to the place that He's going to draw us to. So here's a couple of questions that I want to hit you with as we start. What does it mean to be loved? You know, you probably have a definition, well, look, this is, this is what it means for me to be loved, and your spouse may not even know what that is, and you may be frustrated that they're not loving you the way that you want them to, even though you have not told them. Uh, <laughs> communication is key. Um, and we have to kind of let others know, because you have an expectation of what it means for you to be loved. You, you have this idea, even if you don't tell anybody, and, and many of us are walking around with deep, seated wounds because we feel we've not been loved and potentially even by God the way we think we should. I'm going to cover a little bit of that today. And another one that kind of goes a little bit further than that is how do you know that you're loved? Not just what does it look like, but how do you know that you're loved? These questions we're going to wrestle with over the next few weeks. Um, as we enter into the Christmas season, let us not get distracted and miss the beauty of what we're Celebrating, And just for the record, we're not celebrating the giving of gifts. I mean, we're celebrating the giving of one gift. But we're not celebrating what our world has made. I'm not a huge fan um, of what has become of Christmas and Easter. Um, you know, we, we get distracted by a jolly fat man um, and a bunny that poops out eggs that you eat. For all those Cadbury egg fans, I hope I ruined it for you because you're disgusting. <laughs> but I, I think that's what the world and the devil wants to do. They want to take the light off of what's going on. They want to just 
you know, it's not far from it. We're still, we're still here, but we'll, we'll, we'll take the light and, and focus it somewhere else. And I want to help us for the next few weeks make sure that we're putting the light back on the correct place. Jesus' birth answers those two questions for us. Love showed up in a manger over 2,000 years ago, and God made it clear how much He loved His people. And this is, this is a word that I want you to hear this morning. Now, I was, I was over there in the corner. Um, sometimes it may look like I'm talking to myself. If you look at me, you're worse than me. He's like, he's not singing. Um, half the time I'm praying that you know, God will show up and speak through me. But like, I'm like, Lord, hit me with this reality of what it means to know that I am loved by you. Because you may have things in your life that you're just going, well, God doesn't love me well because. And you'll list things that have happened to you, things that you've been through, things that you feel like God should have rescued you from. And, and what I want to do today is I want to paint a picture of His divine love for us, which doesn't mean that He fixes everything. But it does mean that He has communicated once and for all that you are loved. And I want you to hear that. That Jesus in the cross, when He showed up on the earth to be led to the cross, He showed up to show you how much He loved you. Let's pray. We're good. Father, You know the resistance uh, that each of us individually have. From really settling into the reality that you love by you. And Lord, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to work on us right now. Places that were hardened by our experience, by things that happened to us, by our current circumstances. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to see your love for us through those things. And even at times in those things. So, Lord, as we look at this idea of what love looks like, as we look at the reality that you came to show us that, Lord, let us see you for what you are. Not just a redeemer of the world, not just a savior of his people, but a God that got personal and expressed his love for us individually. Lord, let us not just think corporately. Not, let us not it's easy to think about other people being loved by you. Lord, I pray this morning that you would allow us to see your love for us. By this truth that you showed up for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's a maybe discouraging fact. Um, we do not deserve his love. Our goodness did not draw him to us, but he has still been pursuing his people since the beginning. Adam and Eve, um, the first of our family members to kind of make a mess of it, when they made a mess of it, you know, there, there's this picture, and I don't know, like probably 15, 20 years ago, I was reading this devotional that was talking about this reality, and, because like when I mess up, I don't think about God coming after me. In a good way. I think of like, ooh, I'm about to get it. I need to hide the closet because he's coming after me. But, you know, if the first, <laughs> the first couple to like just blow it, they blew it in a perfect environment with no sin nature. Like all of us have lots of reasons why we, you know, not accept.
acceptable reasons, maybe, but lots of reasons why we've blown it. Like, well, we didn't have this. They had, they had perfect, perfect, perfect place. They was never caught hot or cold, right? There was no snow, I don't think. Like, I, they didn't have any clothes on. Like, the weather had to be perfect. All the time, they probably was not bugs that bit them. I mean, like, it was perfect. They weren't afraid of things. They didn't sleep at night. I don't know if you've ever gone camping, but I've gone camping before, and I hear things. I'm scared. Like, I don't know if you've Eno camped before with a little cover over you, and you just know something can come right up to you. And look over, like, hey, buddy. Like, it was none of that. It was perfect, and they still blew it, though. And they only got, they only got one rule. They only got one thing. Don't. There's all of this other stuff. Don't mess with this one. And you know what happened when they messed with the one thing that God told them to? He said that you're going to die if you consume. So they hid and they were afraid because they finally understood that now they have separated themselves from the Father. What did the Father do? Read this. He came after them. And not, not in an angry way. He came into the garden and he called out, Adam, where are you? He never hid before. He never. I mean, these were probably daily occurrences that he was having interactions with the Father. And he probably looked forward to them, to interacting with them. And then one day they hid, and they tried to cover themselves with their shame. And, and he tells them, "This man, this is beautiful." And he was like, "Why are you hiding?" Well, we, we knew we were naked, and we were afraid. And God said, "Who told you that you were naked?" Like he, he was coming after them, and, and God did this beautiful thing where He sacrificed, He gave them skins, the first blood sacrifice for the covenant. He, from the beginning, He had been trying to make a way to bring them back into this place of them. I mean, same thing with the chosen people. Abraham, they were a people. I mean, Abraham wasn't like the Jew of Jews. He was a pagan that God says, this guy. He was a people, another people group that said, I want, I want you to go, I'm going to create a people from you. He didn't deserve it. I mean, yes, he was probably better than some people, but he wasn't perfect. He wasn't a sinless person. And then people, of course, made a mess of it, and they get sold into slavery or taken into slavery. And then he comes and, and picks Moses. He said, I want you to go. And all of these things, God is showing His love. Because I think we have this, un, um, uh, this unfair view of God's anger and wrath. And there is, hear me, there is a wrath of God. Like, this is not, I'm not saying, like, I'm not a universalist. Um, Jesus came to die for our sin. For us to know God, we must know Jesus. This is why evangelism is so important. This is why we talk to neighbors. This is why we interact with people that are far from God because we want them to know. But we have to start from this place of knowing that we're loved. We have to understand His love. God loved His people, even the, the disobedient ones, enough to lead them out of slavery and into freedom, still calling them into His people. And then... As they continued to mess up, he sent prophets that would come and proclaim a truth to, to say, go back, go back to what God had proclaimed to you. He, he loves you. He wants the best from you. And these things that you've chosen that he said, don't do, they're hurting you. Not only separating you from him, but they're hurting you in your world. And, and finally, Jesus shows up. This was his trump part. This was the finality of 
what he was trying to communicate to his people. All the other things were pointing to Jesus. And it, it, there's the beautiful books that just point through all of these Old Testament things that are pointing to Jesus that we just read through and we're not even noticing that God has this story that's going on that He's bringing to this place and that Jesus comes on to the scene. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that you might receive adoption as sons. And because you are son, sons, God sent His Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And if you've never heard anybody talk about that idea, that word Abba, that's this intimate word. That's like saying Daddy. In our culture, that's kind of a weird term, but that's like Dad. Like the people, they don't even know God as this distant Father, but you know Jesus is showing them that He doesn't just want this separate connection; He wants this intimate relationship. It says so that you are no longer slaves, but a son, and if a son, then you are an heir through God. We've always needed a rescue. One of the things that I want to point out as we understand God's love is that God does everything at just the right time. And some of you are like, no, He doesn't. Because when you list it out. If you can begin to understand the love of God and begin to understand that as His child, He's leading you to these places, I just encourage, and I say this a lot here, don't judge the middle for what God's going to do with you. Right. Because not at the fullness of time, it wasn't like in Genesis 3.15, he proclaimed what he was going to do in these moments. This wasn't like, oh man, my original couple messed up. I gotta fix it. Okay, I'm gonna send, I'm gonna pick Abraham. Okay, I'm gonna send Moses. Okay, I'm gonna send the prophets, and they've all blown it. I'm gonna send Jesus. This is all in a all building to this place where Jesus at that moment came. And I just want to tell you that regardless of what you're going through, God's love is an absent in it. I mean, there's lots of, I mean, with just the amount of people we have in this room, there's lots of potential pain and suffering that you're going through presently that you could go, if you love me, you would do. What, what if, what if, we can have enough belief in His love for you that even in those things, He can still be loving you. Because remember, this, this isn't our home. Many of us, we've spent, we're spending every waking moment to make the most comfortable now that we can have when God's saying, hey, this is just light and momentary. This is just you know, a blink of an eye. This is you, our lives are just a vapor. It comes and goes. This is, it feels like forever, but it's not. Eternity is our promise, our eternity with Him. Romans 5, 6 says something similar to Galatians 4. It says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus' death, and this is why we're talking about Him showing up, Jesus' death would not have happened unless He first was born as baby. 
for the ungodly. This is the greatest news for everyone in this room. To think that thinks that they aren't good enough to be saved, and even in your salvation, even in the understanding that I am a child of God, you still feel like, why would he love me? Like he died for the ungodly, knowing their desperation, knowing their need. So I'm going to jump into 1 John 4. We're going to be in um, chapter, chapter 4, verse 7 through 12. And it's going to talk about a lot of this idea of, well, if he is love and, and we know what love looks like, then we should love like he is. Which isn't my primary point today. It is a point we're going to make. And, and we should be demonstrating his love to others by what we see in him. But there's a picture in the middle of this that I want to get to and then we'll talk about. Uh, verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. What a big statement. How we love shows who we belong to. This is why we have to understand His love for us, because His love for us will shape our love for others. Because some of us are like, they don't deserve my love. They don't, they don't deserve my... And we're going to talk about next week. I'm going to talk about if, if he showed up so he could show us what forgiveness looks like. And we're going to look at that next week. But some of us are saying they don't deserve my love. And let me just tell you, just like we pointed out just a second ago, you, you didn't deserve his love. So the image that we see of God showing love to us, we didn't deserve it. We, we weren't like the good boys or girls that he was like, okay, I see the goodness in them and I, I want to give them more. No, that while we are still sinners, or um, uh, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. It's his grace and love and pursuit of us that opens the door. We cannot love well without first knowing the love of the Father. Jesus showed up to show us love so that we can know what it is. Remember, and this is a, a conversation that I think he had with Philip, uh, the disciples were like, hey, show me the Father. Because they, they, even though they had, which they didn't understand the Trinity fully then, or you know, the divinity of Jesus, they had the Father with them, but they missed it. He's like, if you just show us the Father, like, kind of like what Moses wanted to see, or the, the prophets, well, they would, if we could just have an encounter with you, then our, our life would be different. And, and he has this, this, not argument, but he has this conversation with Philip saying, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And what we're going to look at for the next couple of weeks is we're going to look at what Jesus did, because, and here's, here's the crucial, as we read through the Gospels, we're not just reading of the life of Jesus. We're reading of the Father's heart for His people. As He interacts with people, we're seeing God interact with us. See, God the Father, through the Son, put on flesh to show His love in the flesh. When we read the Gospels, we are seeing God's love in the flesh. And I encourage you, uh, maybe during the season, pick one of the Gospels. And just read it uh, alone or with your family and look at it through the lens of every interaction because when he interacts with people, there's this compassion. Like, I'm always blown away. Like, when he weeps for something, he knows he's going to bring joy out of it in just a second. I think with uh, Lazarus for sure, 
he knew he delayed and, and allowed one of his closest friends to die, which, I mean, God ain't killed you yet, because you're still here. I mean, so if he allowed Lazarus to die so God could show his glory through it, which, real fun story, um, reading that. So not only did he allow him to die, pull him out of the grave, um, bring him back to life, but even in his life, people wanted to kill him. Because he was a testimony to God's grace and mercy. They're like, we don't want to just get rid of Jesus, we need to get rid of Lazarus. But put yourself in those interactions, because there's pieces that's like, well, you know, it's not going to be, he wouldn't do this to me. I mean, think about the people born with infirmities that they couldn't, the person born blind, the person that the disciples were like, Whose sin? Whose fault was this? And Jesus tells them that you know these things happen so that God would be glorified. Just like Lazarus, no one signs up, hey God, um, if you need an example or an illustration to show your grace, just kill me. And then bring me back home. No one's volunteering for that. No one in the womb is going, hey Jesus, I would love to be blind for 30 or 40 years. Sit um, out at this pool and collect money because that's the only way I can make anything so that you can walk up one day and heal me. What are you willing to sacrifice for God to show His love to you so that others can see His love through you? I don't know it is. Verse 8. It says, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. His nature and essence are love. His will and works are primarily love. Everything that He's doing, He's doing to show and communicate His love for people, which I know is a big concept. It's hard to understand those things, especially when you're in the middle of it, but God is expressing His love for you through that, drawing you to Him. Verse 9. Since in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. So this is, this is the picture. This is really the verse. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Romans 8, 5 uh, or sorry, Romans 5, verse 8 says, But God showed His love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God was expressing His love for His children by sending His Son. Verse 10 says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. That word, which we don't use uh, a lot in our vocabulary, you should try it this week. Just throw it into conversation. It is to satisfy the wrath of God against sin. God is going to punish sin one way or another. Your sin will be punished. It will be received um, and paid for by someone. You and your death. And being taken away from His grace and mercy or through the Son. This was His plan from the beginning. Verse 11. It says, Beloved, 
If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we, if we love someone, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. Love showed up so that we could know the Father through that love. We could change the world. See, I think the best thing that we can do or you could do for your family, uh, for your neighborhood, and for the world that you live in is understanding God's grace for you. Because most of our trouble inside of us comes from us not trusting God. Um, did a, a thing this weekend with a group of guys and this little exercise where and write yourself a letter from God. Which is an unexercised and give you a worksheet. We'll help you walk through that. And maybe this is a shocker to you, but one of the things that I felt like God said to me, and one of the things that I was praying over this morning, is that I don't trust Him. And you're like, come on, you're the pastor. <laughs> you better be trusting Jesus. And I do verbally, and I do intellectually, but a lot of times in here, I'm terrified. I'm, 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 I'm outside of the love that I know God has poured out on me and the grace that He gives me, and I'm like, whoa. And so one of the things that I'm doing, uh, started this morning for the next little bit, probably the next month or two months, I'm just going to wake up in the morning, and one of the first things that I'm going to say is, God, I trust you. In spite of how I may be feeling, I know that you're worth trusting. I know, and I've said this a lot in here, um, I know historically God has always come through. God has always showed up for me. The problem is in the middle of when you don't feel it, in the middle of when you're not experiencing the, the presence of it, is to still, go, still say, God, I trust you. And one of the ways that you can say, God, I trust you, is because He's communicated His love by sacrificing Himself for you. He's shown you that He's trustworthy. He's shown you that in spite of everything that might happen in your life, He still loves you. I love this word here, beloved. It says, let, let the world see that the Father is still loving people. But you have to experience that love here. Because if you go out Tomorrow, next week, whenever, you're like, I'm going to love people, even your spouse. I'm going to love people. Um, you're probably going to fail miserably. If you, by your own effort, your own energy, without understanding how much He loves you, your effort to love is going to fail. That's all the time. Because you know what will happen? You'll, you'll go, I'm going to love people today, and the first person you try to love rejects it. And you're like, that's exactly why. That's why. That's why they don't deserve the love. You know, that's why we have this. We have to have this image and picture of what Jesus willingly did. He had his creation, his creation, his people spit on him, beat him, abuse him. Decide it is better that the Messiah dies so that we don't lose our nation. We don't lose our place. And he did all that while still loving. Him. I mean, to the end, I mean, can you imagine on the cross, 
looking at these people, mocking him and throwing stuff at him and, and saying all kinds of things to him. Could you imagine uh, one of his last things that he says is, Lord, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. I mean, that's love. And, and if you're going to love people well, you have to have the expectation that you're going to have nothing in return. Because some people, let, let's just let's bring this into a relational aspect between you and your wife, or you and your significant other. If you've not loved well for a long season, and you decide today, I'm going to love them well, you know what they're not going to do? They're not going to trust that you're loving them well, or it's going to last. So Jesus, systematically for three years, showed up every day, never losing it. You know, never, like, guys, I'm tired. Can you leave me alone? The only people that he got snarky with were the ones that were supposed to know him the best. It, it missed him. The only ones. Everyone else he praised over and over again. When, when children were coming to him and the disciples were like, leave him alone, he's tired, he's got stuff more important than you. Because in that culture, children were nothing. There was of no value. Not until they were grown up. And then only sometimes what gender they were. Yeah. And Jesus is like, no. And he, he gives them this thing. He said, you know, that what's are those that come to me? Like, that if you don't receive me as they do. <coughs> See, the way we love is going to shape other people. I don't know if you've heard of this guy. Uh, there's an author. His name is Brendan Manning. Uh, he wrote a book uh, called The Ragamuffin Gospel. Years ago, it's probably 20 or 30 years old. Uh, and uh, our young prose was reading this other book that was telling a story about him. Uh, his name is not Brendan. Uh, Brendan is a name that he took on when he became a monk. Um, you take on the name of a saint, so he took on the name of a saint. I'll explain how he got the name. So, Brendan, um, when he was growing up, uh, his best friend. They did everything together. Uh, they bought their first car together. They went to senior prom together. They entered the war together, Vietnam. And um, they went to the front lines together. And one night, uh, while they were there, they were sitting in a uh, hole and they were sharing stories of, of being back home and, you know, kind of fun, whatever. Um, and a grenade gets tossed into their hole. And his best friend looks at him, smiles at him, jumps on the grenade, and dies to save his life. Um, and it really wrecked him. Like years later, he, he becomes uh, this priest. And when he was asked what name of the saint that he wanted, he chose Brendan, uh, because that was his friend's name. It's also a name of Saint, but he chose it specifically. You know, kind of wrecked it. And years later, he's back in his hometown. He's visiting Brendan's mom, and they were talking and catching up. And he looked at her and he's like, "You think Brendan loved me?" She yelled at him. She's like, "What else did he have to do to show how much he loved him?" He, he literally chose. To die so that you could live. And then he, Brendan, uh, 
talked and compared this reality that we do the same thing with God. We, we look at this one thing that we take for granted every day, this cross, this forgiveness that pours out to us, this love that shows us, and we just treat it like trash. Or, or we question, like, did, did, he, did he really love me? I mean, some of us in this room right now are thinking, like, does, does he? And in the story of the book, Brittany was just thinking about having a conversation with Mary, who's his mom, and talking to her. We're like, do you think your son loved me? And we're like, Jesus! Like, what else did he have to do? He went to the cross for you. Love showed up for us. And the most important thing that we can do is understand how willing he is. I mean, our God put on flesh so that he could interact with his creation. And he he lived in obscurity for 30 years. Born into a family uh, that everybody knew that he was not, his dad was not his dad. Not born into a rich, rich or wealthy family, born into obscure, nothing family. And he did all these things leading up to this moment. They tried to kill him over and over again. And he would just say, it's not my time. It's not my time. You're not going to stone me. You're not going to throw me off the cliff. It's not my time until it was his time. And his disciples were like, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go into the city. Like, they're going to get you. And he, he wouldn't. He wouldn't defend himself for you. Because he wanted to show up and show you how much he loves you. And I, I need you to hear this. But you can miss everything else. God loved you, and, and the truth that He wants you to understand is that His best for you is Him. He's not trying to keep you from anything. He's not trying to rob your joy. All the things that you feel like, man, if I was really following Jesus and I had to say no to this or goodbye to these friends or whatever, all of those things that you're like, is Jesus worth the sacrifice to say no to some things? Absolutely. Because all of those things, if, if you choose them over Jesus, all of those things will lead to misery and suffering. Because yep. every time we choose us, which is the self-centered love, we're going to end up hurting ourselves and others. And Jesus is saying, hey, look, look at me. Watch how I love people. So the real question this morning, I'm going to invite our worship team up. is have you received that love? Like, do you know it? And I don't mean that you're perfect. I don't mean that you've got it all figured out and you've ceased to sin. Which, If you've heard that in a church, um, it's a lie. I think we should become better people. That's this idea of sanctification. We're becoming more and more um, Painted in his image. We're, we should be becoming more and more like him, but I don't believe, and I think we can biblically look at this, that you're going to arrive. So don't be upset with where you're not at. Be proud of where God has taken you from and, and, and realize he's continuing to draw that to you. But have you received it? Where do you struggle with receiving the Father's love? Do you? Is it more on you or more on him? You look at yourself and go, man, why, why would he? He wouldn't pick me. He wouldn't choose me. Read the Gospels. Look at the people that he did choose. Look at the people that he did interact with. Look at the people that he chose to love. He would choose you. I think there's enough 
providence that you're just in this room to prove that he has interest in you. You may be like, I'm just here with someone else and I, you know, whatever. Just you being here, just you hearing could be a seed that's planted that grows into something. Where's that struggle at? That may mean that you have a conversation with people of just going, this is why I feel like I can't step into that truth or, or feel his love. Cross finished the question of whether he loved you. But there is no cross without a birth. Like he didn't show up the day before to fix everything. He spent 33 years making sure that today, thousands of years later, that we would know who he is. So that we could know him so that in knowing Him, our world would be different. And not just that we would have eternity with Him, but we would be able to create something here that other people get to join us in that eternity. So have you received it? If you, if you haven't received it, maybe today you're like, I need Jesus. Or I, I need... I, I, I just, I'm desperate for for this. And I just encourage us, we go into our last song, you you don't have to just pop up and stand up and start singing. You can sit down, you can get on your knees, you, you can just say, God, I, I don't know, I'm a mess, and I'm hurting, and I feel like you, you've missed me, or you've overlooked me, or you're away, and I need, I need to know that you show up for me. You've got to make it personal. Because it's easy to talk about God loving others. It's hard to talk about God loving you. And if that's you this morning, here's the gospel in a nutshell. You're broken. Sin is a part of you since day one. And there's no way that you can clean yourself enough that you can stand before God and be righteous. And God knew that. And because He knew that, He sent His Son to do what we could not do. He lived every day on this planet without sin. And he wasn't just a human being really good. He was God in the flesh. And his sacrifice, because he was God in the flesh, paid the price for our sin. And trusting and believing in that sacrifice is where we experience life. So if that's you this morning, I just encourage you, have a conversation. Say, God, I know I'm a mess. I know I need you. And I know I don't deserve you, but you showed up for me. And let me let me stop asking, do you love me? And look at the cross and realize that he didn't do that for everyone else. He did it for me. Father, we need you. Lord, if I struggle with trusting you, I, I can only imagine uh, what other things are going on in this room. What other desperate feelings that we have about what you think about us. And Lord, I, I pray for a divine encounter this morning. Lord, there may even be right now a resistance to the gospel, a resistance to your spirit. Lord, I just pray that you break through. 
we would, our eyes would be opened, that we would be flooded by an understanding of how much you love God, by everything that you did, not for everyone else, but what you did specifically for me. So Lord, let us individually receive that, not just for life, for eternity with you, but for change us, so that we can change our cities, so that we can change our homes, so that our wives and our children, our husbands and the people that we're connected to would get to see Jesus. And when they get to see Jesus, maybe they would encounter it. So Lord, give us grace to walk into that love and stay in that place. Thank you for showing up for us. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church podcast. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.